Welcome back to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast, episode 78. Today's episode, we're going to talk to another member of the Million Dollar Academy, Nathan Dahl. He owns a company out of Utah called Dalco. Now, just a quick reminder, our Million Dollar Academy does open back up on January 17th. Uh, if you're not on the wedding, waiting list, head on over there now and get yourself signed up. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Uh, today, we have a, a very special guest. He's actually a member of the Million Dollar Academy. Uh, he's a very active member in there, and we appreciate him from coming on. His name is Nathan Dahl. He owns a landscape business called Dahl Call out of Utah. Hi, Nathan. Thanks for joining us. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, we like to have active members um, on the podcast, especially the ones that seem like, you know, action takers and that really are trying to improve their business. So yes, thanks for being here. Um, our audience would like to know a little more about you. So do you have like a, you know, quick and easy version, like of your background, like how you got started in landscaping? Yeah. Um, it's probably been uh, 2007 or eight. Uh, my uncle and his brother owned a landscape company and, uh, fairly successful. They brought me on. I started working for them at a time when both of them had, uh, college degrees. And I think their long-term plan was to eventually, uh, pursue a career with their degrees. So they had this company that ran for 10 or 12 years, brought me on about the same time they started pursuing their degree. So I kind of got thrown into it, um, trying to learn from them as they were pursuing their other careers. And things were going really good, except about the time I jumped in, the uh, the economy, at least out here in the West, kind of started to fall to housing uh, started to slow down. So the things they had done for a long time wasn't as relevant. And so they tried to help me kind of tweak it. I was really green and new into it. We ramped up a, on a maintenance end and kind of doubled our crews and focused more on maintenance. And um, then they, the ultimate goal was to have me take over their their company. And we were going to work out a purchase plan and whatnot. And, you know, the economy just got lower and lower. I wasn't experienced enough to know really what to do. Um, my wife's mother had a company, an auto wrecking company, and she kind of needed some help. So I kind of played both ends of the stick, if you would, for a second, helping them. And, and it blew up in the auto wrecking industry, believe it or not, when the economy goes down, used, used car parts, um, skyrocket. So, yeah, so I, I kind of tried playing both for a while, but the, the wrecking business got so big and we, we doubled in size there and I was their buyer. Um, and so I kind of worked out an arrangement with my uncle and his brother where I, I just kept the equipment of the company. We, we didn't carry through with the purchase plan of it. And they, in essence, just dissolved that company. Well, you know, you think, you know what you're going to do the rest of your life. Thought I had everything all planned out and this company was growing. They'd been there for 32 years. It was really my mother-in-law, my wife and me that ran most of it. And the state had actually mentioned something about 10 years back about buying the property that it sat on. And so they finally came through after I'd worked there for about five years and uh, bought the ground that that business sat on. And so I was there stuck thinking, what am I going to do? And I had the landscaping equipment. I'd done side jobs off and on. You know, I had a skid loader and a trencher and a sprinkler trailer and some some stuff. And so I thought, okay, I, I, I need a full-time job again and better get back into it. So I took some severance pay when that closed down and mother-in-law retired. And then I kind of ramped up the landscaping and just started a new company um, with the same employees that actually worked with me 
in the in the first company. So that, that was about five years ago. So here here I am now. Nice. So you said back then you kind of started just doing lawn maintenance, uh, and then you kind of transitioned to landscaping. Or yeah, when we, when I first jumped into it, we did a lot of installs. That was probably their um, their specialty: new houses, new construction, smaller commercial, nothing major. We would do some some churches and some smaller commercial buildings, but it was all that first year or two was all new um, installation. And as the economy and the houses kind of quit being built so much and they weren't really involved and I was still so new we kind of felt like the maintenance was a better avenue to kind of go with um sales weren't as good or as much but there was consistent work I guess at a downtime and and it was good it just wasn't how I started or intended you know I, I think my first passion was installation and stuff so uh, yeah, that story really resonates with us because we weathered that same housing bubble storm because um, we had done a lot of new construction as well. And we trans that's when we made our big transition into being like hardscape and water feature specialists. That's the direction we took because we took the route of people that always had that had had money before the housing bus still had money. And so we went to those. And so so I get it. Like we weathered that same storm. Um, just went a different route. I, I feel, yeah, I feel like I could have, we could have handled it with that company a little better. My biggest problem that I knew was my uncle and his brother who had all the experience. They were so consumed in their new careers. It was really just me out there every day. And I, I just didn't know, you know, if, well, yeah, if I could have gone new. back again, yeah, I probably could have looked at more remodels or hardscaping or, or whatnot, but they weren't real involved. And I think they were looking to get out as quick as possible and just the way it turned out. Yeah, sure. well, makes sense. If you were still that green, you wouldn't, I wouldn't expect you to, you know, luckily we had a lot of years of experience behind us and we had, you know, Scott's dad and everything. And so we, yeah, we were able to go that higher end route. So yeah. no, no well, fault of yours. I'm not I, sure I joke with my, <laughs> oh, for sure. I joke with my main guy. He's been with me for, well, if you count all the years back, he's been with me like 12 years, but he taught me how to do sprinklers. And, you know, my, my day one on the job was going on the lot next door to the new house and driving the skid loader for 45 minutes trying to figure it out. And, you know, and he, he helped me a lot. And now he's, you know, my main, main foreman. And so, yeah, it's, it's turned out okay. That's good. That's good to have a main guy like that. Oh, yeah. It makes all the difference in the world. Yep. It's, it's huge. Um, so right now, as far as landscaping, you said you just do installations do you do any specialty type stuff or you know around around here where we're at we um new construction houses is probably the 80 percent of our work anywhere from when we go in on a job we start with sprinklers do all the grading topsoil plants trees curbing the whole nine yards to the finished product we have in the last couple of years just started tapping into the hardscaping um i, I haven't poured any flat work or concrete so i, I kind of looked at the avenues of hardscaping and that seemed to take off pretty good there's a lot for me to learn still but the jobs we have done we've had some really good success with them we, we try to do a lot of side tractor job work and a lot of dirt work uh, but nothing major Nice. As far as that goes. And we do water features. We, we've done some of them. Those have kind of slowed down a little bit for us, but that may be just not us pursuing them as much. Um, not Nothing against them. We liked them. I really enjoyed doing them. It's just, I guess we get to that point where we're starting to pick and choose. So, Yeah. Nice. Very nice. How many employees do you have? Uh, right now I have six. Okay. And they all full-time? Yeah. Yep. They, uh, I have a couple of them that will, they actually are a little older and they kind of prefer to hang out for a couple of months in the slow time in the season. So they're, um, 
they like to just go to town all summer long for about eight or nine months. And then they prefer to have a couple of months where they don't have to do anything. But then a couple of us try messing around with a little bit of snow removal and, and whatnot. So. Okay. Okay. So like inside your business right now, what, is there anything that's like kind of troubling you and, and giving you a rough time or. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in a, kind of a sticky point, I feel. Um, you know, when I first started out, I remember the year I first jumped into it, I hired these two guys back that they had worked for me with my original company, my uncle and brother's company. And my biggest fear was, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to keep these guys busy, um, you know, from the next day to the next day. And, you know, we started with one job. I had the experience. I knew what I was doing as far as that was concerned. But I didn't know where to go. So each year I kind of felt like I've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and sales have just continued to increase. But now I'm at this point where I need to either really grow and be able to split up into multiple crews or, you know, kind of stay where I'm at and try to fine tune it with those guys. We, I don't know how it is. It's a little different out here. We have this I wish we could bid all winter long, but it seems like everyone doesn't think about it all through the winter. And then as soon as spring hits up here, it just, it goes crazy for us. The last three or four years, we've just, you know, went as hard as we can and we book up way quick. I think last, uh, this season, well, last season, I guess by the end of mid-May, we almost had enough work throughout the end of the year and then you race winter, you know what I mean? And so looking at it that way, I keep telling myself, I need to grow. I need to get more crews, another foreman, but we all know the employee situation that's easier said than done. So, you know, currently I'm just trying to really dissect my numbers and really just try to figure out if I'm more profitable to stay with one good crew that we can go in and be super efficient and fast and just go to the next job or in order to, you know, meet the demand of all the calls, if I do need to be split up to where in essence we could be at more than one or two spots at the same time. Sure. Sure. That, that makes sense. Um, we, in our business, I, I could say we found where we split up the crews uh, and this is of course after training your foreman and whatnot, uh, but getting them trained, it, it helped us out a lot, splitting them up and, and, you know, yeah, like if you could get the crew that you have to run independently, like without you, if you could get them <laughs> to the point to where they, they don't even need you, you are yeah. useless and you could spend your time <laughs> if you wanted to grow and make those, that second crew, then you could focus on that. Oh, for sure. And yeah, that's what we did. Just hire a new foreman. Um, he, he actually lives across the street from me. He's a really good family friend. And he had a, he'd worked at a school for 13 or 14 years and was done there. And, um, he came on board. He actually runs a small little maintenance company. So we, we kind of came up with the plan to hire a couple of guys to just run his maintenance crew. And then he was, you know, full time with me and that seemed to go. Okay. It's just a big learning curve, you know? So yeah. you just sit yeah. there and want some days it's really good and really easy. And other days, you know, you just debate if it's, it's worth nothing on him. I think it's more on me training it and getting it set up the way that it needs to be. You know what I mean? So. Oh yeah. The, the biggest thing was, is like when Katie and I started coming in and really like started getting involved in the company, we end up having to like kind of revamp a lot of things and getting the systems and procedures set in place. So everybody knew exactly what to do and having those checklists and stuff. Um, because my dad was trying to run everything on his own and like literally in the morning I would go up to him and, you know, if we had another foreman going up to him, the, the maintenance foreman would come up to him and he's, you know, he's on his phone. He's doing like 10 million different things in the morning and it was just chaos, wasn't smooth. Chaos oh yeah. It was just chaos. And <laughs> his dad was the bottleneck for everything. So, yeah, yeah. Not, not yeah. trying to knock my dad. He did what he knew and, and did what he could. 
but we started implementing those systems procedures and, you know, having where the foreman like came in the morning and knew to go to the schedule board and where to get the files for that day. And, you know, just everything had its, it was set up and it, it just started making things run so much smoother and we're able to split up and started having multiple crews. And, you know, at, at one point we had 20, I think it was 24 employees and stuff. So you, you absolutely had to have those things in place. Otherwise you'd be running around like crazy and nothing will get done productively. So, um, I I feel like I'm that guy to be honest with you. In fact, I listened to one of your podcasts a while back, and we were talking about, or you talked about, uh, like a high school or a college kid just uh, assuming to know how much mulch to put down, <laughs> and that kind of hit me. And I'm like, well, I'm the guy that just assumes everybody knows how much mulch to put down, right? <laughs> and that you do pick the weeds first and put the fabric down. And so I've kind of realized, um, especially with my new foreman, he's the type of person that he learns off of something set up as policies and procedures and a checklist. He's that type of a, of a learner and he does have the experience in it. It's just, I think the struggle of him understanding my thought process versus you know, his. And so uh, that's what I've really been trying to focus on through our slow season. Now that it, we just kind of amp down for a second is to get those in place so that I can kind of start fresh and, and yeah. see where that leads with, with another crew. So. Yeah. We like just from our experience, we did have some, some, uh, some people that didn't like that kind of stuff. They thought, ah, oh, it's just another thing to do. And yes, it is. But it, you start reminding them of all the callbacks they've had because of the mistakes they you know, the things they didn't do or, or whatever went wrong, this is going to save time in the long run because they can go through that checklist and, oh, they blew this off or, you know, clean the street or whatever it is. It, it just made things so much easier and then saving time in the long run. And they, you know, once they started doing it and realizing it, they got on board. So it's not like something that happens overnight. So, uh, just, just keep that in mind, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm, I really do. I think as owners, you, there's a certain way you want it done. And I, I really feel like I have employees that, you know, aim to please and do it that way. I kind of just look to the top of the, the hierarchy and realize I need to do a better job at, at showing them that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause that's a lot of thing. That's one thing that I think a lot of owners maybe don't always realize right away is that your, your employees aren't necessarily, they're not stupid and they're not lazy. They're like some might be, but um, <laughs> a lot of times they just don't know what is in your head and you have to articulate that to them through either verbally or through these systems or procedures. Or otherwise they're just not going to know, like they're not, not doing things just to piss you off. <laughs> they just don't know because um, employees don't think like business owners. So. Yep. No, I totally agree. And that's my whole purpose of, you know, being a part of the, the academy is when I worked in the wrecking yard, uh, we actually were part of a sales consultant group that met every six months and just dissected numbers. And I've, I've always been um, a believer in that. And I've seen some cool things happen with it. And so that's my biggest hold up right now is I am in the process of punching all these numbers through and it's changed. I'm, I'm fairly newer. This will be my fifth year. So my numbers have changed so drastically every year and I'm kind of looking at it needing to make a decision as if it's changing for the good or the bad. I, you know, my sales are going in one direction, but is the profit following? And so I think that's going to really help me when I get all that in, put it in, you know, into the forms and the spreadsheets and, and be able to make the decisions. Cause you know, some days you feel like you can go out by yourself and one guy in a tractor and do pretty good. But <laughs> on the flip side too, as you grow and get experience, you know, the phone rings more and you start building relationships with contractors and other homeowners. And so you also feel this obligation of keeping up with the flow of work too. So. Oh yeah, no, exactly right. Um, 
I'm not sure if you've used any like job reports or anything every day. Um, what we found for us, we had my mom was a secretary. She would, after the crews would come in, they would fill out their hours. And basically once all the material and everything was entered in there, she would put on there, you know, the profit for that job, each job. And it made it a lot easier to, to kind of look at stuff from both looking at it, both either the, the crews, whether they did stuff, you know, should have done things a little bit different or as an estimating side, like, oh, I should have charged more for this because this took way longer than I expected, you know. For sure. I think in, yeah, in my mind, what I've tried doing, and this is kind of where I've been bottlenecked is I usually like to look at things at days, you know, how many days is it going to take me to do this job? Well, the problem we run in is we'll go into a subdivision and have three or four homes all on the same road or, you know, same pretty close proximity Well, we'll go in and bust out the sprinklers and get the dirt while we're waiting for our curbing guy. You know, I sub out my curbing and so we'll go get started on the other one down the road and, and then you're wait And then before we know it, we'll have three projects going. And so then I try to look back at this whole thing and I'm like, God, what days were we here? And was this a half day or all in my mind? I'm the type who would like to just go to one job, stay there, finish it and get it done. But you know, we, we've tried mixing in some commercial. We have some pretty good relationships with some uh, contractors that have some good commercial projects. And when they call, it's kind of like, you feel like you have to jump on it or to be honest, they find someone else. And, and so before we know it, we get into this ginormous rush that we're so spread out and, and then, then you kind of feel like you start getting strapped on money and you got to go back and finish up jobs to get it, you know, get your cash flow back in. And so that's where I, that's where I lean towards more than one crew, um, just because then maybe I could keep more people happy that way. But I do, it feels so nice when we're all together on one job with all the equipment because we're, you know, so efficient. So mm-hmm. those are kind of my biggest juggles right now that we're just trying to figure out in what direction, what's the best way to go about that. Yeah. And I, I think. Like you said, starting to learn your numbers and, and that'll definitely help guide you to where you need to go with that as far as, you know, uh, I think it's a break-even formula. I have any of that stuff in there, like with the crews. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to refer to the academy. We have a couple things in there for crews and that. Oh, if you can afford to hire another yeah. crew. We'll have, I don't know if it's in there yet, but we'll have something okay. in there that you can kind of... If you're going to hire more people, what that will do to your break-even date and stuff like that. So that will be, I don't think it's in there yet, but we will okay. put it in there when we get to it. Um, gotcha. No, that'd be perfect. Yeah, we're trying. We've got a lot that we're adding, but I just did want to say, I really applaud you for taking the time to look at your numbers because I think way too many people think that more sales equals more profits. And it definitely does not because we were in, I called it like landscaping purgatory because our business definitely got to where we were working our butts off and selling our butts off and we were busy every day working six days a week and we still were not making a lot of profit because we didn't have the forethought to look at the numbers we were very guilty of more sales equals more profits and that is not true so i agree no that beforehand yeah no that's where i'm at i I think i emailed you guys the other day about you feel like i feel like you have this little window of getting those numbers right in your bids and before you know it at least for me you know the season's booked and we're non-stop and then you finally hit december and then you look back at everything and you know what I mean? And, and yeah, it, it's what, what happened, huh? You know, so that's where I'm at as far as I, I need to be able to step back or out to look at it more frequently, weekly, monthly, daily, and be able to make changes if needed, you know? 
are you estimating in man hours now or are you still just doing in days? Cause I think maybe that would help. It kind of depends on the job. Um, okay. smaller jobs I'm trying to do by man hours. Some of our bigger ones I'm trying to do with jobs, uh, or by days and then give myself, you know, obviously the benefit of the doubt. And, um, I don't know if you guys had much experience with this on the commercial end. We have a hard time just cause it's never, we're landscaping and we're the very last thing on a building. For example, we just did a 12 plex and they were all waiting on us before any tenants could move into this building. You know what I mean? But we couldn't start till a certain day because asphalt and curb and gutter or whatever. And so, and then something came up in the middle and it put us off for a week and they had to bring in a, another contractor to fix some water lines. Um, that wasn't done right on the, you know what I mean? And so on those bigger ones, I'm trying to be like, oh, I just need to know, I guess, how many days, but I can't do that on smaller ones and, and be very competitive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And because we did a lot of that stuff too for a while um, before the economy kind of crashed, we, we did a lot of commercial stuff and yeah, we go in, like you said, the 12 plexes and, you know, like literally whole subdivisions, we just have duplex after duplex and we just go down the line and kind of do them. And yeah, they would be waiting on us and yeah, always something would come up, but we, cause most of the time, at least for us, our landscaping was all pretty much the same unless they bought like an upgraded package. So we kind of knew like they were, you know, whatever 2000 square foot lot with, you know, five shrubs and mulch or whatever it is and two trees or whatever it is. We kind of knew. So we kind of were able to figure out they should be spending whatever. I don't know. I'm just throwing out numbers here, 30 man hours, whatever it is on that job. So we kind of learned and that kind of helped having the hours for us helped our foreman see, um, you know, they, they needed to be done by this much time. This is what we have estimated. And then kind of everything gets tied together with, uh, you know, their incentive plan and everything kind of gets tied together based on those man hours. And it just kind of helped push the guys so they get it done. And like I said, too, it also would work out if they weren't unable to get to that time, like it consistently weren't getting to it. Then we know what on our end as estimator that, oh, we need to factor more time. Then when that. the foreman is filling out the timesheets, even if you have to jump from job to job because you can't finish it that day, you can look back at your timesheet and be like, okay, three guys already spent four hours at this job. So how much time do I have left to get mm-hmm. it done? For sure. Yeah. That's, that's where I need to get. When I was on the job site every day, it was a lot easier, obviously to, to record it. I knew what my materials were. I had my invoices now that we've kind of started spreading out. I, I even hired a full-time repair guy last year and all he did was just take care of our phone would ring for sprinkler repairs all the time. And, uh, you know, once I started getting two or three people charging, I real quickly just lost control on what was happening on each job. And then, then you sit there and tell yourself, well, I hope you're bidding them right. Cause that's the only way to know, you know what I mean? And so I have to get a system, uh, a better system in place, you know, to do that. We, we go back and forth. I really do like doing our residential houses, the new installs down here. I don't know how it is where you guys were, but people out here, it's, it's kind of a little more farm country. Our state's really diverse. Uh, you head an hour to the East, you're up in the high mountains and all the skiing area. You come down here, you drop 3000 elevation, it's farm ground. And then if you head South three hours, it's complete desert where they're working year round and you drop another 3000 in elevation. So 
we're in this area where people, they, they build their new homes and they all move in before landscaping. And uh, depending on when they built their last house, I don't think any of them have any idea how much landscaping is nowadays, but they know they have to get it done. And mm-hmm. so they sit in the house for a year and then they finally get us involved. And so everyone is different. Like we, we do different designs or this, it's not like an HOA, if you would, where you come into a gated community and every house looks the same. We did start doing some front yard packages actually because some of the cities around here started getting frustrated that so many new homes were being built and people weren't landscaping them. So they started going around to some of these new developers saying, okay, if you're, if these people are going to move in, they at least need to have their front yard landscape just for the Mm -hmm. codes and conducts of the city. So we do have a good amount on our, on our books this year that will just be front yard packages, you know, three trees, nine shrubs, 12 perennials Mm -hmm. type of thing. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of see how that goes where it is a lot more cut and dry, and I could really dissect it, you know, just seems yeah. to us that those are the type of jobs that obviously usually don't have as much profit, but you know, if we're efficient enough and we can go in and do so many at a given time, I think it could be very profitable for us. Yeah. That, those seem to be work for us fairly well. Cause they were, like you said, you didn't, you didn't make whatever 15% you wanted. You may make 12 or something like that, but the guys got pretty good at them because they knew exactly what had to go where you know, you may have a little simple design, but they kind of knew exactly what went where, how to get things done and, and just, you know, where to even pull the, the garbage dirt that, you know, the rocks and everything just, just things became more efficient and they actually got pretty good at it. So for sure. Sounds, sounds like a great step towards getting your crews to maybe run without you a little bit, because if you can get it to be as cookie cutter as possible, like even if they're, you know, similar and that is also a great way to upsell as well. Cause you could have a basic passing package and then have upgrades. So that was my, that my thought was if the new crew could focus on them, it's, it's really cut and dry, simple with the yep. potential of always doing a backyard. You know what I mean? Explaining how easy it is that we're there with our equipment to just carry on to their backyard. So that, that was kind of my plan. And then I could hopefully be a little more focused with our more custom, you know, designs that we do. So. Sure. And don't forget, like, you can always, like, an upgrade if you don't want to, if they don't want to wander all the way into the backyard, you could always, like, throw an easy water feature in, like, it's like a bubbling rock or something that you could easily teach your uh, crew to do as well. For sure. No, that's a great idea. Yep. The upsells were always good for us, like, the lighting and just, we actually got one point where we started having our designer throw in, like Kitty said, a bubbling rock on every design and just have it as an option. It it kind of helped. And then it also have like a seven, seven, uh, light package deal. Just having those little upgrades. You just present it to them and yeah. it's whether or not they want to take it or not, but sometimes they don't think of it. Yeah. And it, but if you're like, Oh, here, this is available. They'll be like, Oh yeah, that's nice. I'll take that. Yeah. For sure. No, that's a great idea. Yeah. They can always, they can always turn it down, but if they don't know, right. right they don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. They don't see the whole, they can't see the whole vision of everything, how it could look. So it kind of helps. No, us. Most people just don't think about it. Cause we have a bubbling rock in our front yard. And to us, it is just this little eensy weensy, like nothing water feature that our 14 year old could put in, but you would not even believe how many people stop. And they're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> Can my son touch the water? Like they freaking love it. And For so, sure. It's just so easy. Just yeah. so easy to upsell. So, That's a great idea. Yep. Um, do you have any like specific question today that you have? I know you, you did email us about the, uh, 
the jobs, you know, piling up, you still. Yeah, that's, I think those are kind of the, the three main okay. things I think we're focusing on right now is a, what direction to go with. And I feel like I probably answer most of those questions for myself once my numbers are done, but when they are, okay. I'm going to be, you know, seeking some help from you on that to know which, sure. which direction to go to get bigger, to get smaller. I really want to just look at it all. Um, phone, phone calls are that same thing. I'm hoping my numbers take, care of a lot of that. But like I said, we, we have so much carryover work already that the snow stopped us from. And then as we start bidding, it just fills up so fast. And it's kind of like we, uh, it just happens one year at a time or one season at a time, not one job at a time. And so I'm trying to be able to dissect that a little thinner and, and make whatever adjustments I need on my estimating end so that I could bid properly and make sure on every single job that, you know, we're covered and going in the right direction. So, and I'm sure that, you know, the third thing is probably the same question most landscapers have. We we're kind of in this debate on the winter months. Um, snow removal obviously just comes to our mind, but we're kind of in this funny area up here in Northern Utah where, you know, we're partially desert. So we do get snow. Um, it just doesn't happen enough in my mind to see the snow removal being super profitable unless I was a really big company with a lot of accounts. It just, we don't get that many good snowstorms. You know, I think we had a big one on Thanksgiving day and then it just snowed yesterday, three inches. And that's the only snow we've had. And I know a lot of people around here, they head east up into the ski resorts and, you know, it seems like they're pushing snow every other day up there somewhere because it's getting snow in the mountains. And, and then thirdly, we, um, our family has a little vacation home in southern Utah that we go down to quite a bit and they're complete desert and they landscape year round with sprinkler and irrigation and they're about three and a half hours away from us here. And so I have this idea always of, God, I'd love to go down there in the winter and be able to do an install or two or three and you know what I mean? And kind of keep what work I like doing going in that direction. But th there's a lot of logistics obviously that come into that. And so. Yeah. We, we kind of have, I'm not exactly the same thing, but as far as the snow, it's so inconsistent here. Like this winter, we've had a little bit of snow on Halloween and yeah. it snowed the other day and we had a little bit of ice, like one of the time that's it. Like it's so inconsistent. So I personally like, when I was really active with my dad, I, I wanted to actually honestly kind of get away from doing the landscaping or I'm sorry, not landscaping, <laughs> snow removal, snow removal. Uh, in the wintertime, just because it's so inconsistent. Um, what my dad's been doing is because uh, we do a lot of commercial, uh, maintenance on things. He's been putting together like package deals where, uh, you know, we price for everything for the mowing and snow plowing and everything. So, and we've been, we've done, since we've done enough snow plowing, we've kind of have a history just with the weather and what things cost where we have a, like Sam's club, for example, we have a set price for the whole package deal and whether it snows or not, we, we get money coming in and that's actually kind of worked out fairly well for him, especially this year because <laughs> there's no snow. Um, but we do have that contingency thing in there. If it does go over so much, uh, snow, there will yeah there's like you get paid no matter what but if it is above and beyond like x many whatever pushes or inches mm -hmm. per season then we start charging by the hour yeah gotcha that, yeah i've looked at that's one thing i haven't really tapped into I, I used to do with the old company was we had three full-time maintenance crews you know with three guys each and we did a lot of that 
now I'm t- I don't do any maintenance. I kind of just put my focus on the landscaping and I, I sure. tell myself that all the time. I wonder if it is it too much of a headache for me or would it be profitable for me to figure out a way to kind of ramp that back up again and as, even to be able to continue maintaining some of these commercial accounts that we're doing the installs on. Because, um, you know, that's usually the first thing they ask me is, hey, do you guys do the mowing and or do you guys, you know, do the snow removal? And it, sh- it hasn't been in high enough quantity for me to want to bite the bait, I guess, you know what I mean? So like I could say on that aspect, like we were an accountability group a long time ago and a lot of the companies that were in there, they actually, that's what they would do. They would do the installation and then they sell the whole package deal as lot or maintenance. Um, some were even offering like lifetime warranties on all the plants and stuff if they installed it and maintained it. Um, because they, you know, they would choose hardier plants, of course. Um, but doing that whole package deal kind of worked out for them. We, we more focus on the commercial end of things. Yeah. That kind of worked out for us. For us, the maintenance worked out well for the, um, just that steady income mm-hmm. every month. You knew you were going to get X amount because we had set maintenance accounts. We had guys that had been doing maintenance for on that same crew for years. We had the same guy running the crew. We kind of just used that as like a, base steady income all the time it was kind of it was pretty low maintenance because we only did commercial um mowing and maintenance stuff we didn't do homeowners and so it was usually just like mowing shrub trimming weed pulling it didn't get too crazy it was pretty basic and it was a good just steady income and then like scott said you could wrap that into a package deal separate crew was it a separate crew that ran that gotcha Yeah. yeah Yep. And so it didn't pull away from any type of landscaping. No. no. At one point we had two maintenance crews going. Yeah. So we would have. They still have two maintenance crews going. Okay. Um, Yep. They just had two separate trucks and they go just go to town and they just have their routes that they go. Yeah. They had their set schedules all the time. It was like really from an administrative standpoint, it was very low maintenance. Mm -hmm. They knew where they had to go every week. They had folders that explained what you had to do on each job because, you know, like some jobs, they would pull weeds only once a month. Some they would pull them every two weeks, whatever. But they would have binders with all of that information. The foreman would make sure it got done. They would just go do their thing, turn in their paperwork, and it was usually pretty low maintenance. Yeah. That's something I probably need to look into. I mentioned my one foreman has kind of a little side, um, maintenance companies. It's nothing big, but you know, as all, we were doing all these new installs and they had asked me, I could kind of just throw them that way. Um, but it didn't benefit me necessarily, but it did kind of keep a relationship with the customer and let them know that, Hey, here's an option for it to get it maintained. But he's kind of tapped out in that regards, if that's, you know what I mean? So maybe I do need to look into something like that and, and run some numbers on it and see what it would take. Yeah, Say it is least it, worth thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely worked for us. And I, I personally like the commercial end because it was a little lower maintenance. You know, with the residential, they're a little fussier, I guess yeah. you'd say. Um, so it was just easier, like Katie said, on the administration side and allows us to focus on other things in the landscaping other than that. So just, just nice to have that consistent income coming in. For sure. That's a great idea. Um, but as far as like going back to your question on the, uh, scheduling and, you know, the beginning of the year, that's, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, it, it's yeah. Cause it, it, we did the same thing. We'd book up in the springtime cause nobody would think about it in the wintertime. We, we tried different things. We tried, we tried to sell in the yeah. winter, but people just aren't, it's not on their yeah. mind. And, yeah. You know, some of the houses aren't done. And so it was kind of hard to, for them to vision or even think about it. So that was, that was a tough one on our end. Um, but we, we, we would book up, you know 
months at a time in the springtime. And yeah, we, we would lose some customers. You know, if it was something that we saw that a good, you know, a good job, we would try to fit them in somewhere and maybe push somebody out. That was a little bit <laughs> less. It's, hard, it's bad to say that, but that's kind of what we did because we know we'd make money or, you know, it was a better job for us and whatnot. Well, yeah, no, for sure. I've the, As I've looked back at some of my jobs last couple of years, to be honest, some of my most profitable ones are ones we picked up midsummer, early fall. Someone just finished their house, has money, wants to get it done. And everybody else is booked up. And so, you know, done whatever we could to find a way to get it done. And so, yeah, there's always that fear of being so booked up that you miss out on the really good ones. Not that you don't have some good ones, but um, these later on ones seem like sometimes they're going to be better just because of the nature of the season, you know, financial wise. So, and to me, it was kind of once you start setting yourself up to it kind of helped us out. I could say for on the uh, water feature side, because that's a, one of our specialties, people were willing to wait. And, you know, some people, you know, some people that weren't, we tell them, OK, well, you know, if there's any issues, feel free to call us back. And at some point, you know, not everybody, but there would be some issues and they have to go back and they're like, oh, I wish you waited. It's hard to get them to understand that, but it's, it's a, it's a tough situation. I I really honestly can't give you. I think that might, that just takes time a little bit. If once you get yourself established as an expert in whatever, like whatever your niche that you pick is like people were willing to wait for Scott to do their water features. They were willing to wait. Not only did they want just uh, our landscaping business to do the water feature, they only wanted Scott out there. Like it, it got a little obsessive. He yeah, had crazy kinda, fans. It's little... kind of a pain because I did. I was transitioning <laughs> the out of the field. Him. I'm like, uh, <laughs> all right, I'll go help for a while. And <laughs> no, I, yeah, I totally get you there. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, and I think it will. My numbers, as I fine tune them, maybe will you know kind of lead me in those directions. A, it might answer what type of jobs I'm doing, or it will. You know, what which ones I should be doing the most of, and and that might help and a second crew if i can run them properly and have them function the way they're supposed to it could be really good because then we could almost take on double the workload that way you know what i mean and that one crew might be a little slower than the the main crew but they still could be paying for themselves bringing in a profit and trying to speed up the schedule a little bit so we're not so far out yeah Yeah. No, it sounds like once you maybe get your estimating honed in a little bit and get your man hours honed in and get your foremans on board with keeping track of the time better, I think you will have the data you need to make some really good decisions. Gotcha. And if you like, you know, once you kind of start getting your numbers figured out, you know, you and I can have a phone call or do a webinar or whatever and kind of talk to each other a little bit more and kind of fine tune things and help answer any questions you have. No, for that sure. That'd for be a great idea. I'd love that. Yeah. We've changed so much in the last couple of years. It's, it keeps growing, growing, growing. And so it's kind of been a little difficult to get a, a good grasp on it. You know what I mean? To know there's not a huge telling as long as the economy stays good, but there's not a huge telling that we don't do double the sales next year. You know what I mean? Eventually it's going to tap out cause we can only do so much, but it has sure. been growing in, in, in a really good rate, a good direction. So yeah, that's awesome. Good. good awesome. <laughs> Yeah, we we can't wait to see what happens to you, and uh, you know we we'd love to maybe carry on this conversation again in the future after. Yeah, check back in with you sometime because yeah, no, I'm excited for your 2020. Sounds like it's going to be a good one for sure. Yeah, we're excited. No, I appreciate it. Do you have any other questions for us today? Or I think that take care of it. I appreciate the time and thanks for having me on here. 
No, thanks for, you know, being on the podcast. We appreciate it. Like we said, we just kind of wanted to get more uh, of our member stories out there for the other landscapers so they can just, you know, hear what other people are doing, what's working, what's not working. And sometimes, you know, just that camaraderie of, oh, man, I'm having the same problem. So it's a great idea. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate you being on. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining us today, Nathan. Thank you, guys. Hey, everyone. Just want to thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do ask you for one quick favor. Could you please head over to iTunes and leave us a review? A five-star review is even better, but it helps us get our rankings up and help us spread our message. Now, one little quick side note. Don't forget to mark your calendars for January 17th. That's when we'll be accepting new members into the new and approved Million Dollar Academy featuring our green growth method. Thanks again.